Old powers waken, shadows stir, an age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us, an age for gods and heroes. The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Nights Podcast. Hello, my sweet summer children. I'm back with the juice to get you through the long night. And we are here with another episode of the Obsidian Nights podcast, where we go through A Song of Ice and Fire chapter by chapter with a different guest each chapter. So if you want to be on Obsidian Nights, all you need to do is go on Twitter or Instagram and send a message to at Nims Shadow, or you can join my Discord. The link will be in the description box, and you can also get on Obsidian Nights that way. Um, so today I'm doing at our 12, and I am joined by Liv, all the way from New Zealand. Um, Liv, <laughs> Liv, would you like to tell the people who you are and where they can find you? Um, so yeah, um, I don't have any sort of online channels in particular um for anyone to look at but i'm just here to talk about game of thrones and ned in particular um so yeah (laughs) awesome awesome well let's not waste any time let's get right into it so this was this is a one of my favorite ned chapters Mm. but i also think this is like the stupidest shit (laughs) (laughs) this is the stupidest thing that ned stark could have fucking done oh hell yes so (laughs) he makes some really questionable choices throughout the story but this chapter in particular is just like horrendous choice after horrendous choice it's like what are you doing yes so let's just jump right into the opening of the chapter so the chapter opens up and it says pain is a gift from the gods lord eddard grandmaster pysel told him it means the bone is knitting the flesh is healing itself be thankful he says i will be thankful when my leg stops throbbing so ned stark had gotten to the scuffle with jamie lannister his leg is Mm -hmm. all messed up like we're at the point where he's sent people to hunt down the mountain or Tywin's dog, Tywin's men that like went to the Riverlands and busted things down. And Ned's been getting um, milk of the poppy Mm. and he's been sleeping a lot. And um, Pycelle's kind of like, you know, well, you need to sleep because that helps you heal. But like at the same time, I feel like Pycelle is trying to dampen Ned Stark. Like, yeah, he wants to heal him. Like, but at the same time, I feel like he wants Ned out of the way. So he's trying to keep him like doped up. Yeah, absolutely. Because Ned's already been on the path of, you know, finding all of Robert's bastards and like going down that train. So for Pycelle, it's probably like a repetition of what John Aaron was doing, you know, and um, to see Ned going down that same path is probably quite. Yeah. And Pycelle you know. is totally like, house lannister like the Mm. the grand maester is supposed to serve the castle so he's supposed to be loyal to robert Mm. but he's totally loyal to the lannisters and he tells ned like you know there was a raven this morning it was for the queen from her father and i thought i should tell you because lord tywin is pissed off that you sent people after the mountain (laughs) yeah understandably just a quick question do you think Pycelle knows about Cersei and Jamie? like yes. would he be trying to he would be trying to keep their their secret I think everyone knows <laughs> with the exception of Ned Stark every small council member knows like I feel like Pycelle knows I feel like mm-hmm. um Varys knows Littlefinger knows I also feel like Tywin knows I feel like Tywin knows and is in denial and just turns the other turns the other cheek. Right. But I feel like he has to know. Yeah. Even yeah, like you say, even if he doesn't want to acknowledge it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it it seems like it's pretty obvious to people that have been in King's Landing for a long time. Or that yeah. have been around Jamie and Cersei for a long time. In that sense, Ned and Robert 
are kind of two peas in a pod. <laughs> They're like in a yeah. lot of ways, um, very similar characters. <laughs> and this too. Neither yeah. of them know anything that's going on. They don't. And it's it's sad. Like it's sad because they're good. Well, I'm gonna say there, Ned Sark is a good person. Like mm. he's a good person. He's a merciful man, an honorable man. And like that shit has no place in the Game of Thrones. Like, no, it just doesn't because you're putting yourself at a disadvantage when the people that you're opposing don't play by the same rules as you. So you're at it like he's been at a disadvantage since he got there. Yeah. But the 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 hardest part is he isn't consciously putting himself at a disadvantage. He just genuinely doesn't think that he could be disadvantaged you know yeah like yeah and I think Robert and Edit are actually quite similar in that sense because they kind of feel like their position will get them through and they'll be able to you know take control of a situation um, based on their title alone and Mm -hmm. it's kind of not really how it works yeah Though, like, it just it just doesn't work like that. And, mm. like, even even when Ned, like, Maester Pycel is telling Ned about Tywin, Ned is kind of, like, nonchalant about that. Like, you know, let mm. him write all the letters that he wants. Like... Yeah, let him be Roth. Yeah. Yeah, like, let him be. And, and I will say, like, it was a stroke of genius that Ned... Like, the one smart thing Ned did was send Beric to the Riverlands under the King's banner. Mm. That would have been smart if Robert lived. Yeah. But Robert didn't live. And Ned never (laughs) accounted for the fact that Robert might die. Yeah, yeah. So if Robert lived and uh, the mountain attacks Beric, then while he's flying the king's banner, then that's an attack on the king and Robert would love to go to war because he just loves war and battle. But at the same time, do you you need to account for Robert maybe not coming back? Yeah. Like, I think this is a show only line, but Littlefinger says it to Sansa, like you need to fight every battle everywhere in your mind all the time, Mm. which that's true. Like when you're playing this a deadly game like the Game of Thrones, you need to think of multiple scenarios. And I don't think Ned ever had the I'm not going to say the brain capacity to do that, but he never had the I don't even know what you would what you would call that. Like he just was he was just naive. He wouldn't think to think about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, like and, like what yeah. you're saying, like his position in the North, he would have never had to think about things like this. No, because his orders would have just been followed, you know, as he spoke them, kind of. Right. It's, so, yeah. so I would say he kind of went to King's Landing with like this veil of privilege. Like he's mm-hmm. lived in the North, like his orders have been followed. He was you know, he's a high Lord. He's the warden of the North. The Northerners are going to listen to what he says because he's the warden of the North. He's the Lord of Winterfell. He's Ned Stark, but in mm. the South, in the South. So if you're taking that, that idea to the South, no, no, how do you know? They don't care that you're Lord no. Stark. Like even like, even in the last Ned chapter, the one um, prior to this one, like they tell, like the people that come to the court, these are people, now these are people that have lived right around the Red Keep, like not that far from the Red Keep. They think Ned is the king. Yeah, they have no idea who he is. (laughs) They don't even know who Ned is. They don't even know who Robert is. So like- And the ones that do know really don't care. Like- don't really <laughs> so even Varys I mean who claims to care I mean let's be real Varys doesn't care about anybody but Varys yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like it's like you can't come thinking like you have this you're this high lord and these people are gonna give a fuck because they don't even know you like they don't mm. even know the king they don't even know what the king looks like and more importantly like they don't know the northern ways they don't know why it's so important to you that xyz happens you know yeah. in a certain way 
it's so foreign to them. So like for you to come here and start, you know, talking all this, you know, big talk about um, like when he's on the throne and he's all like, you know, I believe the man who serves a sentence should swing the sword and all that. Like that's all well and good, but this is not the life that everyone else here knows. Yeah. It's, it's sad because I feel like under different circumstances, Ned Stark is kind of what his morals, his morals is what it could have been. He could have been a good hand to a better king. But Robert kind of like left him out there to just do all his work. And he was Mm. just, he never had like Ned Stark, when he was in the crypts of Winterfell, when Robert offered him the position, Ned was doomed. Ned was doomed and it was like and it's so like all those chapters of them traveling south it's so dark it's so gloomy it's so like it's I don't even know how to explain it but like the the conversation with Robert starts in the crypts of Winterfell and Mm. then like the next conversation he has with Robert is like in the Barrowlands. So it's yeah. like all they're all discussing these, they're discussing all of these Southern politics around the dead. And it's yeah. like total foreshadowing that they're both doomed. Yeah. And it's all leading up to, you know, their final conversation on Robert's deathbed, you know, like, yes. it's, yeah. Good point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, oh, what was I going to say? I thought of something while you were, saying that because I don't think Robert even really has um a great grasp of what's going on around him like no he doesn't um because he's drunk he's drunk half the time well yeah there (laughs) there is that um but like gosh for someone like Robert politics is going to be the last thing on his mind you know he doesn't care about he wouldn't even have the patience to think about any of that but um you know when his fast forwarding a little bit um so spoilers (laughs) when Robert dies um you know and he hands the kingdom over to Ned essentially you know and he's talking about oh you're all now like it's just complete lack of understanding about like any of the other players on the board um and just the assumption uh that they're just going to hand the regency over to Ned and it's it's crazy at the same time because Robert has some kind of grasp on what's going on because that's why he goes to Ned and mm. it's like, you know, half of these people are liars. The other half are flatterers and fools. Like I need somebody I trust. Like he feels that he's in danger, mm. but yeah, I don't think he knows exactly how bad it is. Like yeah. he, he doesn't know that when I sign this paper, that my wife is just going to rip it the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. And actually, yeah, he, like you say, he feels threatened and all that. Um, But actually assigning Ned to the position is essentially what gets him killed. It's Ned's meddling. Like, and they already killed it. Robert. Like because- I say it all the fucking time. You had your fucking brother right there. Stannis. You had Stannis right there. Stannis I- would not have put up with any <laughs> flatterers or fools. No. That would have been done. What does he say when he's like in the Clash of Kings? He's like, I want to scour that court clean. (laughs) Like he wants to remove everybody off the small council. Like the whole small council would have been flipped inside out. Yes. Like the shit would have went down. And Mm. and they didn't want that. You know, they didn't want that. Like Cersei wanted Ned Stark to be hand because she knew that he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Yeah. Cersei wanted him to be hand. Um, Littlefinger wanted him to be hand. Varys wanted they all wanted him to be hand. They didn't mm-hmm. want Stannis, just like they don't want Stannis to be king because they know that that, that bullshit that they're doing is over. Definitely. Stannis becomes king. Yeah. Or <laughs> hand for that matter. At best, they're out of a job. <laughs> At worst, they're dead. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 sad. So Pycelle eventually leaves the room with Ned and Ned, you know, like he he didn't want the milk of the poppy, but he drinks some wine and even the wine, you know, clouds him a little bit, you know, dampens him a little bit, puts him not on point about everything. Uh-huh. 
But he talks about what would John Aaron do if he had this information? Like, what? how would he have done it? Like, had he lived long enough t- to tell of what he learned, to act on it? Like, what would have his actions be? Mm. And he talks about, like, you know, this is the sword that killed him. And before we get into, like, the sword that killed him and all that shit, yeah, yeah. I wanted to talk about um, what he says about the innocence of a child like he says it was queer how sometimes a child's innocent eyes can see things that grown men are blind to someday when Sansa was grown he would have to tell her how she made it all come clear for him he's not the least bit like that old drunken king she had declared angry and unknowing and the simple truth of it had twisted inside him cold as death this was the sword that killed John Aaron, Ned thought then, and it will kill Robert as well. A slower death, but full as certain. Shattered legs may heal in time, but some betrayals fester and poison the soul. So. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ned, Sansa being the one to open Ned's eyes to it by saying that he isn't the least like that old drunken king. Um. It's sad that Ned will never get to tell Sansa that she was yeah. the one. Um, so, like, I feel like it would be good for Sansa if she knew that she was the one that, you know, helped her father figure out what was really going on. But at the same time, it might make her sad because that's ultimately the reason that Ned dies. Yeah, definitely. It would be easy to blame yourself for that. Yeah, especially when she already probably has so much guilt for going to Cersei in the first place and saying, you know, "Oh, absolutely." <laughs> but yeah, but I think it is away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is literally your fault, Sansa. <laughs> um, but I think it's also like a not necessarily foreshadowing, but it's it's interesting that it's Sansa's perception of it that uncovers the truth, you know, and it just kind of makes me think that later on in the story she's going to be a more perceptive character, you know, and you see that sort of, you see that sort of yeah. goes under um, Littlefinger's wing. A it's ha- bit. Um, it's happening. Like I give Sansa yeah. a lot of shit. I give Sansa a lot of shit because I could not stand a game of Thrones Sansa. I could not stand mm. what they did to Sansa on the show, but in the books, like you can see her being so fucking observant, like in the mm. mail, and like just like her doing the whole um making the whole knights of the veil like making sweet robin his own personal guard and things like that and like really being motherly to sweet robin like you can see her developing into a very observant character mm. and a very smart character yeah yeah definitely um and it is interesting to watch those characters who start off with a very Ned like influence hanging over them like all of the Stark siblings pretty much and sort of see how they develop over time. Like Rob definitely doesn't because he stays in the North and he, you know, he has the same influences basically. Whereas like Sansa, then her influences become Littlefinger and Cersei and how she develops, like not necessarily away from that honorable sense, but like, how it becomes incorporated into her new sort of way of thinking about the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry. That's a whole tangent in of itself. We're <laughs> talking about Sansa now, but um, yeah, I just think it's interesting because with Ned, you don't obviously get a lot of that because his story is over pretty much as soon as it begins. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's very easy to write off Ned as being like one of the more two-dimensional characters of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, and I actually disagree with that. I, I think there's a, a lot more depth to him than what's portrayed. Oh, a ton. Like, a ton. Yeah. Like shout out to like Brennan B. Fish and Emmett, um, poor Quentin from Not A Cast. Like they've done some stuff on Ned Stark that mm. I really love. Like I really love because... Yeah, I do like quirky shit like Ned is stupid, Ned yeah. is dumb. Like, yeah, I do that. But like if you really peel back the layers, there's so many layers to Ned Stark. And yeah. I think it was um poor Quentin who basically said, you know, like he's just this 
warrior that's haunted by like all these ghosts of his past and mm. like they go really in depth with it and like can't recommend that podcast enough yeah so, i sure. i haven't actually seen that because i was looking for information on it because i'm i'm having all these ideas and i'm thinking gosh has anyone else like talked about this you know um and definitely like with his history in the war and the rebellion and then um and the Greyjoy rebellion like he's and, seen and some how it shit. keeps yeah, and how it keeps like revisiting him throughout his chapters. Mm, keep only, flashing back. Yes, but only as only after he arrives at King's Landing does he start mm-hmm. having those dreams, and only as the things start falling apart do they become more and more prevalent. So, yeah, like, and he feels like it's an omen. Mm, he feels like it's an omen, like. And it yeah. is. It's like in the last chapter. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was at the last at the start of the last chapter. He dreams about arriving at the Tower of Joy, uh, where you know all of his men are pretty by Helen Reed are, are killed. And then at the end of that chapter, he's in the streets and all of his men are killed there. You know, like it's a very it's direct parallel. Very direct. Um, but but back to the Tower of Joy for a second, because like this is one of the key things about Ned that I think people may not necessarily think about is like the tower of joy is like a defining moment for Ned. I mean, that's pretty clear. Like his whole thing with Liana is just repeated time and time again, chapter after chapter, Mm -hmm. but like leading up to that, like he essentially started a war to save Liana and, you know, his father and brother were brutally murdered. Like all the shit that went down, people died. Absolutely. But then the most traumatic part for me would be getting to the end of that and finding out that the whole rebellion was essentially built on a lie. Like Liana didn't, wasn't kidnapped, you know, like if you believe that, um, which I do. Um, So like, and I think it's interesting with Ned how he is portrayed as this honourable character so much so that it's like a parody of itself almost like in trying to do the right thing he (laughs) ends up (laughs) fucking up the most shit essentially like I mean he causes more destruction in Westeros or like as a result of his actions than I think any other character in the story and it's it's, like and it's not because he's bad it's because he's good no yeah 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 absolutely (laughs) there's no no nothing to fault there but um I mean, think about, think about like what you're saying about the Tower of Joy and like all the trauma mm-hmm. that happened in Ned Stark and then getting to the Tower of Joy, the end of it and finding out that it's all built on a lie, but mm-hmm. not even like, it doesn't even stop there. Like he has to take Jon Snow back to Winterfell and sacrifice like his honor mm. and say, you know, this is my son, even though it's not his son. And yeah, it's a reminder every day of everything that's happened. Absolutely. And he has to lie to his nephew. He has to lie to him. Like even to the point where when John goes to the wall, John is like the rightful heir to the Iron Throne. Yeah. And And you're letting him. can't even say anything. Yeah. Can't say anything. And you're letting him swear an oath to give up all of that. So that's even traumatic in itself. And I think that's why he thinks about Jon Snow a lot when he's in King's Landing. But also to that end, I feel like his honor is in some ways a coping mechanism. Like I think getting to the Tower of Joy, realizing all that, that would be enough. Like if you were somebody who believed that you were trying to do the right thing and, you know, all of that, that would be enough to like completely shatter your self-image. You'd be like having a existential crisis, like, gosh, who am I? (laughs) You know, can I, do I only destroy or, you know, um, it'd be, pretty shattering I would think and so then it makes sense to me why Ned would especially like you say with J- John hanging over him and all of that throughout his life why he would then strive to um be honorable in all of his actions almost like atonement like trying to make up for that yeah yeah um, I'm mean, not that saying makes that sense. that yeah that makes sense to me mm. but like for me like when I think of Ned I think of him as like this character, but at the same time, I think of Ned as a plot device. Mm. Like these things that happen to Ned have to happen in order for the story to unfold. Like Ned Stark, like he ultimately, 
he's doomed from the start. Like he has to die in order for his children to become who they are. Yeah. So he he's doomed from the start. And I personally like Ned Star. Like I love him because he is so honor bound. And mm-hmm. even in the event that he has to do something that's not honorable, like he's choked up about it. Yeah. And he tries to think of the best way to go about it, you know, um, causing the least amount of damage. But and of course, unfortunately, I'm a Den- it doesn't work out that way. I'm a Daenerys fan. So I like I love Ned that Ned was like the only person besides Sir Barrison's like, mm. I don't think you should kill this little girl. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But Definitely. one thing I wanted to talk about was it said this was the sword that killed John Aaron, Ned thought then, and it will kill Robert as well. Mm. But at the same time, he he has this information. He doesn't think that this is the sword that will kill me. No. Which is interesting. Right. Especially you think that would be a logical flow on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially considering what he's going to do at the end of this chapter. You're so, right. <laughs> I don't know why he thinks this isn't the sword that's going to kill him. But even though, like, he knows, he says, this is the sword that's going to kill Robert. He thinks it's going to kill Robert slowly. Like, he's going to find out about this and the poison. It's just going to poison his soul. Like, some betrayals fester and poison the soul, he says. Now, I always have thought that game of thrones a game of thrones or a song of ice and fire um george took a lot from norse mythology and okay i feel like um have you ever heard the tale or read the tale about jorminger and thor no never heard of it okay so like during ragnarok Jorminger, which is the three-headed serpent that circles the world or the serpent mm-hmm. that circles the world. No, I don't think it's three-headed. I can't remember. Okay. But, and then there's Thor, which Thor is just like Robert, has like the blonde hair wife, the the, the hammer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the storm, like there's something to do with lightning and thunder with Thor, which Robert's castle is Storm's End. Um, but Thor defeats defeats Jorminger, the the dragon or the sea serpent, defeats him, but dies from his venom. So dies from his poison. Anyway, so I've always felt like Rhaegar was like this this dragon, this Jorminger, and Robert is this Thor. And even though Robert killed Rhaegar. Robert still died from the poison of the betrayal because at the end of the day, Rhaegar was Robert's cousin. Robert and Rhaegar were close. Ray, uh, Robert loved Lyanna. Rhaegar, like in Robert's mind, Rhaegar took her from me. She's dead. Like this is a betrayal. And he he literally dies like from that. Yeah. You can say that he died from a boar. We can say that he died from the Lannisters killing him, whatever. Mm. No, he died. Robert died a long time ago. Robert yeah. died a long time ago. This shell of a man that we have that's drinking and whoring and is just miserable because, like, to be honest, Robert is miserable. Like, he tells mm. Ned, like, basically, like, I've never felt so empty as, like, sitting on this fucking throne. Yeah. And that is so sad. But I think that's a really interesting parallel, that story. I've never heard that before. Um, I did like my first, my first ever YouTube video. Like I do not fucking recommend Uh, watching it. Okay. I don't don't recommend it. (laughs) I'm going to find it. I was shit. Like my microphone was shit. I was shit at editing. Um, Yeah. But that video, like that's what made me want to like start doing a song of ice and fire videos because i was so into norse mythology and there were so many parallels like Mm. so many parallels especially like with jamie and robert like each character has a parallel in norse myth but like what george does is similar to what ted williams does where he takes the norse myths and like mixes them up and adds other shit to them. So mm-hmm. like Blood Raven is definitely like a Loki type character, but also right. like an Odin. Like I say, to yeah, tree. like the one-eyed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> okay. That's really cool. Cause I know obviously George takes a lot of influence from all kinds of stuff. Like I've definitely heard you talk about, um, you know, medieval wars in England and Europe. Um, yes. But you can't just rewrite history and put it down as your own story you know you've got to you've got to have lots of influences coming together so it's like it's your own thing um that's one of the reasons I think it's so good yeah well yeah because it parallels real life so much Mm -hmm. um but so it's really easy to yeah get into but like Ned is a key keystone of that because like I don't think it's a coincidence we start the story off at Winterfell with the Starks because, you know, they're easily the most relatable family in the whole thing. Yeah, um, they are. You know, so like like what you were saying before about, you know, Ned being a plot device, um, I think he very much is that. Like it's someone for us to root for because I guess – for most people that would be who we would most identify with, you know, if it really came down to it on a real level. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, George in his original outline that leaked out, he basically said a song of ice and fire was a coming of the age type of story. So it's, it's basically, it's like not about the Starks. It's not about the Lannisters. It's not about the Targaryens. It's about these kids, these kids. Mm. It's about, Bran and John and Rob and Sansa and Arya and Daenerys because these are all kids. It's about them like growing up in the circumstances they're in and how they change the world. Yeah. And I feel like for that to happen, Ned has to die. And that's why he dies. And I feel like it's so impactful that he dies um, because we all love him. I don't mm-hmm. care. I don't care if you hate the Starks. I feel like if you started watching Game of Thrones, you were impacted by Ned Stark's death. Like mm. you were impact. I was impacted. I was like, oh my god, they killed Ned Stark. What the fuck? Like, oh, I- I- <laughs> <laughs> and I hadn't read the books at that point, but when I saw that, so uh, I was like, yo, I didn't read the, the books. Book. <laughs> I didn't read the books either. I didn't read the books either at that point. I didn't start reading the books till after season three. Same. So I was like, when they were walking, walking him up there, I was like, okay, so he's not going to die. Because at first, like, I thought he was going to die when he was fighting Jamie Lannister. And then mm. when he lived, I was like, okay, so he's, he's good. And then I was like, oh, he's the main character. Like, he's the main character. And like he, they're not going to kill him. And then, shoot, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. If you haven't read the books, you don't realize that there's actually quite a few main characters. Right. <laughs> if you just have their part to play. Yes. So uh, I, I was very shocked. But so um, Littlefinger comes in. Yes, back to the story. <laughs> yeah, because we're like, yep. I'm off. I'm off over here. So yeah. um, Littlefinger comes in. Basically, uh, Ned's like, you know, um, what do you think about this information? This is the book. Or what does he say? This is the book that John Aaron died for. Does he say that in this chapter? Wait, I'm just trying to find because he comes in and and they're just talking pleasantries. Basically, he's talking about uh, lunch <laughs> with Lady Tanda and then um, talking about Ned's wound yeah and like when will robert come back Mm. Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of like small talk um so basically they had went out to find the white heart which is like some special thing and then um is that a rabbit i don't know uh, a a rabbit type creature i feel like it's a white deer because i like an albino like an albino deer but i could be wrong well, that sounds way more logical because I always pictured it as like a big rabbit and I just like there's like 20 or so knights running up to kill this rabbit. It just always, <laughs> what's going on? So it's anyway. they, they found the white heart, it seems, or rather what remained of it. Some wolves found it first and left his grace scarcely more than a hoof and a horn. Robert was in a fury until he heard talk of some monstrous boar deeper in the forest that nothing would do, but he must have it. So Prince Joffrey has came back. 
um, with the Royces and Balon Swan and the Hound. So Ned is like asking about the Hound, like the Hound concerns Ned. He's like, I was worried about Jamie, but like, I'm also kind of worried about Sandor Clegane. Like, is he going to pop off? Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, but, because um, yeah, now now he knows, right? What um, Ned's done with right. sentencing Gregor to death. Yeah, and and we know that the Hound doesn't like his brother, but Littlefinger's like, um, Gregor is his his to kill. Like he's his mm. he's his to hate. Like yeah. you can't do it. You better not do it. Like he's his to hate. But I'm thinking about this hunting party, and <laughs> surely. Um, not the rabbit thing, something else. <laughs> um, surely Cersei must have already laid the plans to kill Robert at this point, because as far as I'm like, they wouldn't have sent a raven like, oh yeah, Ned's, Ned, you know, Ned's come to me saying this. So now you've got to kill Robert. Like that's not going to go on a raven. So the dominoes are already falling at this point. I think she sent a rider or something. Uh, okay. I think I don't, I I'm not sure, but I find it odd that Joffrey came back before Robert when Joffrey mm-hmm. Joffrey loves killing shit. Yeah. So for Joffrey to come back and Robert to stay, like, I feel like Cersei knows the shit's going to go down and she doesn't yeah. want Joffrey there. So she could have already laid the plans because, well, Lancel would have had to take this specific wine that he likes. Yeah, they would have had to have that yeah. stocked up. Yeah. 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 Maybe she planned in advance for Joffrey to come back. But it's like, how do you know how long he's going to be gone? Like, yeah. how do you know he's not going to find the white heart? How do you know he's going to get a boar? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's all too many unknowns. There's, there's almost no way you could. Yeah. You couldn't expect there would be a natural moment for Joffrey to then come back so that you could enact your plan. I don't know. See, this is why. <laughs> I don't think I would be I would do very well in King's Landing either like I, I actually find Ned quite a triggering character because <laughs> <laughs> I like you know I think we all like to think that if we were going to go down to King's Landing we'd be like Tyrion you know like basically calling people out and you know sorting out what's what but actually to be honest I think I would make a lot of the same mistakes that Ned has made I don't know I just find that really triggering <laughs> yeah like most of us would yeah. Most of us would. We don't fuck we don't fucking know how to rule a kingdom. <laughs> no, I can't outthink Cersei, and I've read this chapter so many times. You know. So um Ned talks about like Robert be- coming back soon and like honor requiring him to tell Robert. Um and him arranging for Sansa and Arya to sail on the wind switch out of Bravos in three days. He says last night he had dreamt of Rhaegar's children. Lord Tywin had laid the bodies beneath the Iron Throne, wrapped in crimson cloaks of his house guard. That was clever of him. The blood did not show so badly against the red cloth. The little princess had been barefoot, still dressed in her bedgown. And the boy, the boy, Ned could not let that happen again. The realm could not withstand a second Mad King, another dance of blood and vengeance. He must find some way to save the children. So I think like this dream that Ned dreamt, Mm. he should have applied that shit to his own children. Well, (laughs) that's what I'm thinking. You know, I mean, two children. Yep. Like, you know, like, right. (laughs) Like your children there. You have two children with you. The, the, the old gods are trying to tell you something like get your fucking kids and go because you're Mm. going up against Tywin Lannister. Like, yeah. Don't sail in three days. Sail tonight. Like how long does it take to put all of your belongings in a trunk? Seriously. Like, Get on your fucking horse and go to the Kingswood and tell Robert mm. now. Like he's so worried about other people. Like he's worried about Cersei's children and yeah. not his own. And it's I don't want to say like it's egotistical because it's not really egotistical, but it's like this he has like this idea like this can't happen to me. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like this definitely. Can't, this can't happen to me but it's like you have two children with you and they're talking about two children and those two children were killed by lannisters uh, they Hello. were a prince and princess like your daughters are just 
you know, daughters of a lord. That you know, like it can mm-hmm. happen to anybody. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely George has said that um, you know, Ned's fatal flaw is that he can't abide the killing of ch- or the harming of children or whatever it was, killing or harming, I mm-hmm. can't remember. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's where most of his mistakes come from, really. Yeah, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. So Ned basically is like, you know, Robert's never going to forgive this. Like Robert Mm. will not forgive this. So I'm going to have to do something like he will kill them all. Like he will kill all of them. But he knew that he had to tell him. So he was like, I'm in a rough spot. Like, what am I going to do? So he basically sends for Cersei to come meet him in the Godswood. And this is where shit just gets right out stupid. <laughs> yeah. This is where like literally anything else that you could have done, Ned, would have been better. Literally anything else. Yes. Um, so she it says she came to him at sunset as the clouds reddened above the walls and towers. She came alone as he had bid her. For once, she was dressed simply in leather boots and hunting greens. When she drew back the hood of her brown cloak, he saw the bruises where the king had struck her. The angry plum color had faded to yellow and the swelling was down, but there was no mistaking it for anything but what it was. Why here? Cersei Lannister asked as she stood over him. So the gods can see. She sat beside him on the grass. Her every move was graceful. Her curling blonde hair moved in the wind and her eyes were green as the leaves of summer. It had been a long time since Ned Stark had seen her beauty, but he saw it now. I know the truth John Aaron died for, he told her. Do you? The queen watched his face, worry as a cat. Is that why you called me here, Lord Stark, to pose me riddles, or is your intent to seize me as your wife sees my brother? If you truly believe that, you would never have come. Ned touched her cheek gently. Has he done this before? Once or twice, she shielded away from his hand, never on the face before. Jamie would have killed him, even if it meant his own life. Cersei looked at him defiantly. My brother is worth a hundred of your friend. Your brother, Ned said, or your lover? Both. She did not flinch from the truth. Uh, That's why I love Cersei. Like, I love Cersei. Like, Cersei's an evil bitch, but she stands in her shit. Like, she stands in her shit. And another thing Ned Stark did that was totally wrong is he underestimated Cersei. Yeah, I don't know why he did her. Well, maybe because, because she's the, the whole time in King's Landing seeing her get shut up by Robert, you know, like whether he's hitting her or just telling her shut up woman, you know, like, so it'd be very easy for Ned to just think, oh, you know, she's, um, you know, she's the submissive one in the relationship or she's not, you know, like a lot, a lot of power. Yeah. A but, lot of the, a lot of the women are looked at as, you know, beneath us, like, mm. she, like, you know, Daenerys. Especially in that kind of society. Yeah, in that society, that time, medieval times, women were for birthing children. So yeah. she, he's looking at Cersei, like, not undermining her. He's, what the fuck? Is underestimating. That? Underestimating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> underestimating Cersei. Daenerys gets underestimated all the time. We mm. see Sansa gets underestimated. Um Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Like they, all the women are underestimated in the story, and this is a fatal, fatal mistake of Ned Stark is to underestimate Cersei. But like, mm. even Cersei's own family underestimates her sometimes. So it's not, basically, it's not stupidity that he did it. Mm. It's just like how, cause like audacity. Like how could you? How yeah. Could- <laughs> and, um, um, and and that, if nothing else, signs his death warrant because like, even if he wasn't about to threaten her, like she'd be like, how dare you? You know, I just, yeah, I just think she would take that slight lightly. And she like pours it on. She's like, we are one person in two bodies. We share a womb together. He came into this world holding my foot. Our old maester said, when he is in me, I feel whole. And she smiles, like she smiles at him. And, and I, I leave that paragraph thinking, like, I guess, like, okay, you know, like, am I really like agreeing with you? I guess, <laughs> like, I mean, logically, I get where you're coming from, but um <laughs> ew. Yeah, can you not do that though? Right. So <sighs> he's like, to her credit, when he asks about Bran, he's like, to her credit, she didn't look away. He saw us. You love your children, do you not? 
Robert had asked him the very same question the morning of the melee. He gave her the same answer with all my heart. No less do I love mine. This is some R plus L equals J foreshadowing. So he says, Mm. that thought, if it came to that, the life of some child I did not know against Rob, Sansa, and Arya, and Bran, and Rickon, what would I do? So he omits Jon Snow. Yeah, true. And then he says, like, even more so, what would Catelyn do if it were Jon's life against the children of her body? He did not know. He prayed he never would. But when he thinks of his children, he thinks of Rob and Sansa and Arya and Bran and Rickon. Mm. So he admits Jon Snow. So omission kind of points to maybe Jon Snow's not his kid. Not his kid. Yeah, that's a really interesting. And I actually did miss that on the first read through. But I think it's quite interesting that he approaches this whole conversation with so much empathy. Like he's essentially telling her to leave leave the city. But yeah, um, yeah he's he's not trying to be a horrible person. He's actually trying to like spare her life and he's trying to like get with, like she's literally um, or her and Jamie have injured and almost killed one of his children. And here he's going like, Oh yeah, I guess, you know, if it were my children, I would do the same, you know, like really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting that like, she's like, yeah, they're all Jamie's. Thank God. They're all Jamie's. And he asks her, you know, what, did he do to make you hate him so much? Mm. And she's like, the night of our wedding feast, the first time we shared a bed, he called me by your sister's name. He was on top of me, in me, stinking of wine, and he whispered, Liana. And Ned, like, is thinking of the roses, and he, like, wants to cry. And he's like, I don't know which of you, like, I pity the most. And he, she's like, Bitch, save your pity for yourself. I want none of it. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, Cersei. Like, okay. I yeah. love her as a character. I could honestly <laughs> talk about her for like six years. Just like. <laughs> yes. Man, there's so much to her. And like, she kind of tries to entice him. It's like, you know, the realm needs a strong hand. Joffrey will not come of age for years. No one wants war. Um, Like. Friends can turn into enemies. I swear to you, like, you shall never regret it. Be kind to me and you won't regret it. Mm. And he's like, did you make the same offer to John Aaron? And she slapped him. And Ned's like, well, I'll wear it like a badge of honor, like mocking her. And I'm just like, okay, Ned, like, this is getting a little. um... And she's like, you know, how dare you? Like, how dare you play the noble lord? Like, you have a bastard of your own. I've seen him. Who was his mother, I wonder? Some Dornish peasant you raped while her holdfast burned, a whore, or was it the grieving sister, the Lady Ashara? And Cersei's like, how dare dare you be judgmental of me when you've done the same shit? And Ned's like, you know, I don't kill children. um, And you would do well to listen. And he's basically like, you know, run to your father, not to casually rock. Like all of you need to get out of here. You need to go like take a ship for the free cities or like the summer aisles or like even a shy somewhere. Like you need to go as far as the wind blows <laughs> because Robert like is going to find you. And she's like, you know, this is a bitter cup to drink. And he, he he's like, it's not as bitter as the cup that your father gave Rhaegar's children. He is savage in this part of the story. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm, like it is. I'm living for this Ned. Like, yeah for this Ned and um he's like I don't it doesn't matter where you go um or what you do like Robert's wrath will follow you um and she stands up and she's like and what of my wrath Lord Stark her eyes searched his face you should have taken the realm for yourself it was there for the taking Jamie told me how you found him on the Iron Throne the day King's Landing fell and made him yield it up that was your moment. All you needed to do was climb those steps and sit. Such a sad mistake. I have made more mistakes than you can possibly imagine, Ned said, but that was not one of them. Oh, but it was, my lord, Cersei insisted. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. There is no middle ground. She turned up her hood to hide her swollen face and left him there in the dark beneath the oak amidst the quiet of the godswood under the blue-black sky. The stars were coming out. So, like, that's the end of the chapter, but yeah, that was Ned Stark's 
biggest mistake was yeah. letting Cersei know that he knew and he was going to tell Robert and telling her to run away. That was a huge mistake. And he underestimated her and he never asked about Cersei's wrath. What nope. up her wrath? You he like she says an empty threat. Like her brother pushed your son, a child, out of the window. And mm. you think she's gonna just run away? Yeah. And go and off. Is, you don't like think- I said, he's he signs his own death warrant here, essentially. Like yeah. And he doesn't even realize it. I mean, yeah. And to be honest, like Cersei doesn't want him to die mm. because she knows like that his like she knows his death is gonna cause the war of five kings like she doesn't know yeah. exactly the war of five kings but she knows it's going to cause a war it's going to cause an uprising a rebellion in the north like you yeah. killed their lord which is probably why she tries to seduce him first you know like she's trying every trick in the book basically yeah, yeah. and even like when it comes down to his death she like his actual death spoilers fast forwarding here <laughs> she, just anyone who didn't know yeah, yeah she's not with that shit like she like she's really wanting him to take the black yeah and go north joffrey kind of does that shit on his own yeah so it's because it's joffrey but, doesn't understand yeah yeah he don't you know he don't know shit <laughs> and if he knows he don't give a fuck yeah <laughs> he's a psychopath yeah. <laughs> he's a psychopath <laughs> so yeah, yeah that's the chapter did you have anything that you wanted to add all i want to say just to close it off is that you know Ned is like definitely a tragic character, you know, like his whole storyline is just, it just leaves you with this feeling of sadness. Like why couldn't things have been different? And, you know, we touched on that earlier that things need to happen in a certain way to, you know, progress the storyline of everyone else. But Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't mean that I don't really feel for Ned um, because you can see what's happening, even if he can't, you know, and, and I mean, outside of that, outside of the situation, Ned himself is just such a melancholy character. Um, it's just, it's just all depression, really. Yeah. <laughs> with Ned, um, so yeah, it's it's tragedy. It is, it is. But this is the I will I like. I'm gonna title this episode the fatal mistake because I feel like this was the one. Like mm. yeah, he made a lot of mistakes, but this was the one. And he 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 throws away a lot of get out of jail free cards in the next cup in the next chapter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one is really the key. Yes. But I want to thank you for coming on. Um, this was great. You did awesome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> no problem. And um, thank you all for listening. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.